You know, uh, sometimes the things that go on here at the Rock, you don't know the backstory to. But tonight, as Erin was singing that song, I remember going to visit Erin when she was so sick she could barely stand. Erin's the girl right here who just sang that song. And she has had some incredibly difficult health challenges that have been going on for years. And it's such a blessing, Erin, to hear you sing. Thank God for his answers to prayer. It's so encouraging to my heart. Let's bow our heads together for a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you tonight that you never let go of us. You never let go of us. We're in the palm of your hand. We're in the, the apple of your eye. Your eye never leaves us. Your hand never lets go. Your, you, the Bible tells us, Lord, that you uphold us with your righteous right hand. We're the people of your pasture, the sheep under your care. And we thank you tonight, God, for your incredible loving kindness. We ask you tonight that you'd speak to our hearts. We ask you tonight you'd open our heart to understand incredible things from the word of God tonight that could change our lives. They have the potential to change our life if we grasp them, if we understand them, and if we apply them. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a little uh, loud, Alexis or Doug, who's ever back there. I'm getting a little a ring, if you could help me. Thank you. <clears throat> so, you know, we started a couple weeks ago this series entitled, Lead Yourself Well. And um, the whole purpose of this series is to help you lead your life well. God has given us extraordinary wisdom. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Proverbs. But the beginning of the book of Proverbs... Solomon tells us that God gave us these things. He's writing these things so that we would not have to be simple anymore or naive or foolish. And so that as God reveals his wisdom to us and as we apply it in our life, our lives do not need to be unnecessarily hard. Now, I don't want anyone to misunderstand when I say this. I said this a couple weeks ago and I explained it and I'll say it again. <clears throat> I recognize that, and, and any of you that know me, been around me a long time, know that I'll, I'll never lie to you about the challenges of the Christian life. We're going to have to, if we're going to follow Christ, we have to take up our cross and follow Christ. We have to deny ourselves. There's difficulties, there's trials. But our lives don't need to be nearly as hard as they often are. If we would only live with wisdom, if we would lead our lives well in the way God intended if we were diligent in all things, if we didn't procrastinate, if we weren't lazy, if we weren't lackadaisical, if we didn't make excuses, and if we had a perspective, as I've been sharing with you, like the farmer, if we saw our life, our whole entire life, our job, our family, our marriage, our relationships, our friendships, <clears throat> our living situation, our car, everything, like the family farm. And we're to oversee all of it. And we're in charge of all of it. And if we get on a schedule, and if we get into routines, and if we live our life, life becomes actually incredibly meaningful, fulfilling, and I'm going to use this word, easy. It's much easier to stay on top of your life than it is to be on the bottom of your life all the time. And so I've been trying to share with you principles and ideas uh, from the scripture on how to do this. Last week we talked about living by priorities. 
You're never going to be able to stay on top of your life if you don't live by priorities. And you've got to know what those priorities are. So if you weren't able to be with us last week, please go to strongdisciple.com and look up Lead Yourself Well and you can find part two. Tonight we're going to get into something else about leading yourself. But before I do, I want to read you a portion of a letter that was sent to me this week. I just appreciate so much the notes that you guys send and uh, <clears throat> because they help you understand the very things I'm sharing with you. <clears throat> and they help you grasp how people take these things and do something with them and they illustrate in real time some of the things I've been sharing with you. So listen to this. <clears throat> this comes from a young husband. There was something you said a long time ago, Mark, that really convicted me. I can't remember the exact wording, but the idea was that getting in the Word, has got, getting in the Bible, has to stop being an issue. What he's referring to is there's got to come a time in your life where you quit struggling with it. You just do it. It's not an issue anymore. You just do it. It's kind of like saying, you know, you've been struggling for the last 10 years to go to work and get there on time. Grow up. That's got to stop. That's just got to stop if you want to succeed in life. So that's what he's referring to. If we really want maturity in our lives, we have to figure this out. I've made some great strides over the last couple of years, and I've really worked on focus and cutting out anything that's ineffective part of my life. I've gone months at a time without watching television. I've stopped listening to worthless talk radio. I've stopped going to websites that wasted my time and stopped projects that was getting in the way of my relationship with Christ and my family. <clears throat> this year started a new conviction in my heart. It was an area that I refused to fix, and that was my sleep schedule. <clears throat> now, this is coming. I want you to know I know this person. This is coming from an incredibly disciplined person. So it's going to blow your mind when I read this. Over the years, my mode of operation is waiting till the last possible second until I have to get up or else. I'd be late for work. My quiet times had consistency issues because I would wait until bed for this to happen. What time I would get to bed would change so frequently that I could never count on a set routine. My excuse has always been that my work is earlier than most, so it's unreasonable to wake up earlier than I need to. I often have to be at work by 6.15. I've made several half-hearted attempts at working to get up earlier, but it has never stuck. I knew that there were ways I could grow, and I knew that if I changed this one fact in my life, it would be a game changer. I knew that if I got up early enough to get in the Word and to pray before work, it would literally change everything. This meant having to get up at 5 a.m., which was the number that I was fighting. <clears throat> I knew that I needed a plan that I had no loopholes, that had no loopholes, and, and actually pushing the snooze button was the hardest thing in the world because he just kept pushing the snooze button. Really, you're not going to believe this. So here's my routine. My first step was taking out of my routine the parts of waking up that are difficult and that I hate doing. Instead of waiting until the morning, I get these things ready the night before. I started always getting my clothes ready for the next day, making sure my lunch was packed the night before, making sure the house was picked up so I wasn't waking up to a mess and getting anything that I needed to bring to work ready before the next day. My next step was making sure I was getting enough sleep. I knew in order to be successful with this plan, I need to be in bed by 10. 
This wasn't too much of a burden, as I'm not a night person. However, what delays me from sleeping is waiting for the last minute to get all the stuff above done. I decided that I will start getting everything ready for the next day as soon as I put my kids to bed. This puts all these responsibilities into one single routine and not two, and when I finish everything, it's only nine. The next hour can be for relaxing or to do whatever else a husband and wife can find to do. Well, I'll give you some ideas. The third step, and probably the most difficult, was actually getting up. I knew I could have the best plan the night before, but my weakness occurs early in the morning. I have a snooze problem, and I push the button over and over and over until you couldn't push it anymore. What I did was downloaded an app for my smartphone that's called I Can't Wake Up. I should be selling these right now. This is an alarm that won't allow you to push the snooze button unless you do something first. How I program this alarm is that I won't be able to push the snooze button or turn the alarm off unless I scan a barcode with the camera on my phone. I put the barcode out in the living room tucked in my Bible. I actually have to get up out of bed and scan the barcode. This worked awesome for me, and once I'm up, there's no way I'm going to go back to bed. Find a way, make a way, adapt, improvise, and overcome. My fourth step, (laughs) this is beautiful. Uh, My fourth step was putting other incentives in my life that were little rewards that I would look forward to. Every morning I take a really nice shower first thing that wakes me up. How long have I been telling you all? I've been preaching showers for a long time. After the shower, I always have a big cup of coffee and purchase special coffee that makes this a treat every morning. How long have I been telling you about organic coffee, making it a special morning? I just, you guys are finally listening. At my work, I printed a calendar and I marked the days that I wake up so that I can play a game with myself to see if I can have every day marked with an X by the end of the month. The last thing was I let the Word of God continually teach and convict me in this area. I wrote down 30 verses that talk about laziness, hard work, and the kind of man God wants me to be. I read these verses every day. I meditate and pray how these are being used in my life. I also think while I'm reading, if I'm having a hard time getting up that morning and then the Word changes my attitude, I could have about being up so early. I've done this successfully since January 6th, which includes weekends. I have seen so much fruit in my life as a result of the simple change. I wake up excited for the day. It also gives me time in the morning to bless my wife before I leave for work. I always have a few minutes to get a few things ready for her day. Also, my weekends are so much more productive. I get up early, let my wife sleep as long as she needs. I take care of the kids, and many days on the weekends, the kids and I will make breakfast for everyone. My wife is actually expecting another baby. This was one of God's great surprises in our life. With that being said, my wife is really sick. And I am now having a lot more responsibility on my plate as my wife is too exhausted and sick to do what she normally does. This routine has been a game changer in helping her out. I know that if I went back to my old routine, things simply wouldn't get done. Our family would be stressed out, irritable. Our kids would not get the discipline they need in their lives. My new routine has allowed me to be ahead of the game and be on top of life versus being stressed out by all the things I need to do. It is giving me more confidence to take on the day. Every year of my life has improved because of getting my rear end out of bed. 
It's so incredible how selfish, lazy, foolish I can be at times and how I would fight this simple element in my life that is good for me and everyone around me. My wife has seen a big difference and has been so appreciative of this change. Is that wonderful? You have no idea. what This is, inc- this is wonderful. Anybody in this room can do the same thing. And I'm telling you, according to the Word of God, if you don't learn to do this, you'll never succeed in life. You won't succeed in marriage. You won't be effective raising your children. And you'll always be the slave of something. Something or someone. You and I were created by God to learn by His Spirit and His power to lead ourselves. And to lead ourselves with strength. And to lead ourselves strongly. I got another wonderful email from a a young man who wrote me recently. Sorry. When the dew point's about 18% like it was this morning anyway, I get very dry. I need a little misterizer around here. Just, you know, we'll have to get a little humidifier from Mark. Stick it right down there. Blowing water in my face. And... um, about three weeks ago, maybe it was two or three weeks ago, he wrote me and he said, Mark, I really want a little workout routine. I want to change my diet. I want help. Would you help me? I said, sure, I would. So I wrote him back an email and wrote him just some simple little things, simple little things that you've all heard me talk about before. But the good news was about a week went by, eight days, ten days. I wrote him. I just little, I follow people up. <laughs> if you write me, you're going to get an email back. And then I'm going to follow up after that to see if you did it. And I just says, how are you doing? I've been praying for you. How's it going? He said, well, I've actually been out walking like you talked about. It's been a little cold. So a couple of days I got my 15 minutes instead of my 30. But I'm working up to it. And I've been doing a few of those push-ups like you said. And I've been doing some crunchies. But I realize now you said squats. So I'm going to start the squats. And my diet, it's coming along. I got to, you know, we're talking about some pretty radical changes. For most of you, this was very radical. No more soft drinks, no more pop, no more sugary drinks at all. Water, 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 only water, maybe a little coffee in the morning, a little tea. That'll be the toughest one, probably, for most of you to change. But it'll change your life. It'll change your teeth. It'll change your dental bill. It'll change a lot of things. And that's what I want to do here, change your life. See? So, tonight, we're going to talk about actually what is the most difficult. Okay, this area of leading ourselves, and you'll understand when I say this, is the most difficult. The last two weeks, we have talked about our outer world. Okay, our outer world, habits on the outside. But tonight, what I want to talk to you about is your inner world. And I want to read a verse to you to start off tonight out of Proverbs chapter 16. It's a verse that I, I admit to you, I have reflected on this verse so much. It challenges me, and as a young Christian, it was incredibly challenging. And I will illustrate in a moment. Better is he who is slow to anger than the mighty hero. And he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city or leads an army. What do you think General Petraeus thinks of that verse right now? Do you understand, 
Let me just give you a list. I want you to think of our world today and its values. Tiger Woods conquers the golf world, but he cannot conquer himself and his passions and lusts for women. And I mean, we're not talking one woman. We're not talking just a little cheating on Ellen. We're talking the man is out of control. If I think the girl's name is Lindsay Vaughn, the skier, I mean, if I was her father and I knew she was beginning a relationship with Tiger Woods, we would have a come to Jesus meeting. Lance Armstrong could conquer the biking world, but he could not conquer himself and his lust and greed for fame and glory. Lawrence Taylor conquered on the football field, but could not conquer his anger and rage and destroyed his marriage as he beat his wife. Hector Camacho conquered in the boxing ring, but couldn't conquer his lust for women, pleasure, drugs, and he was shot down in the streets trying to make a cocaine deal just a few months ago. Samson. Samson. The strongest man that ever lived. God had plans for Samson, and Samson could not conquer the inner world of passions and desires, and they destroyed his life, and he ended up in disgrace with his eyes gouged out, chained to a giant wheel, pressing out wheat and mill for the Philistines. <coughs> Lindsay Lohan, Miley Cyrus, Jennifer Lopez, Taylor Swift. Yep, Taylor Swift. I've been watching enough. I've been reading enough. The girl can't control herself when it comes to guys. She is a foolish and naive girl. And eventually, their passions and desires are going to ruin their life. So do you know what you notice here? Here's what you notice. Every single person I just mentioned is incredibly disciplined. Oh my gosh! To hone their skills in these crafts took unbelievable self-denial, unbelievable pain and suffering to get where they got. And yet their lives are a joke. They're a joke. And no one, well... Taylor's in a different class. The rest of them, slowly but surely, are losing. And some already have lost all respect for any that know them. And the ones that haven't, the media simply props them up. Because conquering your inner world, <clears throat> that's a whole other game. Leading yourself on the inside. And so tonight what I want to do with you is I want to talk with you about leading yourself on the inside, and what I want to do is cover these areas. I want, to, I want to talk about your passions, your emotions, your attitudes, your spirit, your moods. Did you know that that's all included in there? <clears throat> that that's part of what it means to rule your spirit. It doesn't mean we don't have emotions. It doesn't mean we go around in a catatonic state, but we learn to effectively lead them. We learn to manage them. We learn to manage our passions. We learn to put them to death. We learn by the grace of God, and I'll get to this in a moment, to say no. There's tremendous power in the word no. 
No, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to down, the, down that road. No, I am not going to feed this pathetic attitude. I'm going to starve it and I'm going to choose this one. <clears throat> and I find that for most people, this is the one. <clears throat> they work on the things on the outside and they're very important. Everything we've talked about the last two weeks is very important. But if you don't bring that farmer, workman-like mentality to your inner world, and if you don't take it to task, and if you don't uh, <clears throat> begin to excel in the things we're going to talk about tonight, you're going to come unraveled. Okay, let me just be really honest. You're going to come unraveled. And, and if you think, if you're a single person here tonight, <clears throat> if you think you know relational difficulty, you wait till you get married. And if you don't learn now to lead yourself and lead your emotions and guard your desires and practice some of the things we talk about, I'm telling you, marriage is a very difficult crucible. It's a very difficult crucible. And I know so many people who end up on the edge of what we might call depression and sorrow and discouragement because they just don't know how to lead themselves out of the valley. And so what they're waiting for, here's what they're always waiting for, is circumstances. If all of my circumstances would change, then I would feel better. That is wrong. That is not how you're going to live life effectively. And seldom do those kind of circumstances come along. I have learned, little by little, but over and over and over the years, to make my own. To, make, to choose my own internal circumstances. Based on the eternal truth of God, based on the meaning that God says my life has. And so I want to cover three things with you that I believe can be extremely helpful to you. The first one is found in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. And I'm going to read this from the New International Bible. It says this, For the grace of God... <coughs> has appeared to all and offers salvation to all people. It teaches us God's grace to say no, no to ungodly desires and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives now. Now. Wholly devoted to doing good. You see, that's the power of the gospel. This is why we need Christ. This is why we need Christ. None of us, no matter who we are, can conquer the inner world, the cravings, the desires. Here's why. We have this kind of gigantic generator inside of us that's always demanding for self. Our desires are selfish. Okay? We're born in sin, and as we grow, all of our desires revolve around self Gratification. We eat to gratify self. We eat sometimes not only to gratify our hunger, but to comfort ourselves. Think about all the different desires that you may struggle with. We often spend money way beyond what we need because we're trying to satisfy self. We see something we want, we want to get it. We're like Samson. Samson's walking along and he'd see a woman and he'd say to his mom and dad, get her for me. Get her for me. And we're like that. We see cannibal, get it for me. We see something new, get it for me. We see we're we're going on the web, get it for me. I want it. 
And if I don't have the money, and this shows us how out of control we are, if we don't have the money, that's okay. If we don't have cash to pay for it, that's okay. We just put it on credit. Get it for me. I want it. I need it. I have to have it. And we're ruled by our passions and desires. I know individuals that are enslaved, enslaved to pornography, which is just a desire for lust and beauty. I know others that are enslaved to food. I know others that are enslaved to sleep. All of it's the same in God's eyes. He wants to root out the selfishness in our life. He wants to give us purpose and meaning. And what inevitably happens with our desires, I don't know if you know this, but what inevitably happens when we live to satisfy our flesh, we end up in what I call the pool of self-hatred. <clears throat> and we look in the mirror and we hate who we are and then we leave the room that we look in the mirror and we go back to the mud. And we do it over and over and over. And it's a cycle of hopelessness that develops because the devil convinces us there's no hope. But there is so much hope. I want you to know this. There is so much hope. Christ came so you might conquer the self. Christ came so that you could be liberated from your sins and your desires and your passions that are wrong. The wrong passions. <clears throat> the wrong desires. <clears throat> the grace of God teaches us, <clears throat> no. No, I'm not, I don't have to do that. No. <clears throat> now, we're going to build on that. I want to show you something in the book of Galatians that's um, very profound. Galatians chapter 5. And I'm going to start with verse 13. We usually don't start with this, but I want you to listen carefully. You have been called to enjoy liberty, freedom. Passions and desires enslave you. That is not what God called you to. God called you to enjoy freedom. Freedom. And as you grow in Christ, that freedom grows. As you grow in the Lord... As you grow up from your little child state, we're all born, all of us start out as a little infant Christian. Then we become a toddler Christian. And then we become a five-year-old Christian. And then we become a ten-year-old Christian. That is, if we continue to walk with God, to grow. Otherwise, we're stunted and we stay ruled by our passions and desires. Like a little spoiled child. Who doesn't know how to delay their gratification. Who throws little tantrums. Who wants everything now. God has called us to liberty. Only do not let your liberty be an opportunity for your flesh, for your selfishness. Now look at this. Instead, serve one another through love. Because the entire law is summed up in this statement. Love others as you love yourself. If, however, you tear at each other and you consume one another, look out and you will be destroyed by each other. But I say... Behave in a spiritual way. Then you will not carry out your fleshly cravings. What, what's the point? He's saying, if, if you're living in a spiritual way, if that's your pursuit, you're walking in it, while you're doing that, you can at the same time be enslaved to your cravings. <clears throat> but you want to know what the secret is in this text? I'm gonna, we're going to go on in just a moment to a little more in this. Now, I really mean this. I'm going to tell you one of the most profound things that has helped me overcome and conquer my inner world. I live my life for one reason, to serve other people. My greatest joy in my life, besides my relationship with God, is serving other people. 
And when we serve others, what's the whole point? If you go into a restaurant, well, give just an example, and you sit down at the table, and someone comes up to wait on you, their whole goal is to smile at you, not have you smile at them. Their whole goal is to get your food, not for you to get their food. Their goal is to serve you. Their goal isn't to get things for themselves. Their goal is to wait on you. And God wants you and I to understand that meaning, single person, listen to me here today. Something that I, I, I'm thinking of doing at a singles conference or maybe after this series, I may do four weeks on singleness and where to find fulfillment, how to find fulfillment. One of the things that I want you to understand is that many of you singles, sometimes you're waiting for Mr. or Miss Wright to come around and you just feel like I'm in this waiting game. I'm waiting game. And you're not sure exactly what to do. Whereas you have a married couple over here, they have a choice every day. You may not realize this, to serve the person they married. And then secondly, when children come along, listen, you really have no choice. Especially when you first bring them home. And some of these new parents, they could tell you some of the really tough lessons they're learning. I mean, when you're crying out for sleep, but your baby's crying out, you've got to learn to wait on your baby. You'll learn to die to yourself. I'll I'll never forget, this was a classic situation. I mean, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but and my wife's not here, so I won't embarrass her when I tell you this. But I remember when we brought uh, one of our children home from the hospital, and Kathy was in such tremendous pain, her back, and I had to work nights, so I couldn't be there. And we came home the same day the baby was born because I didn't have insurance, and so it was cheaper if we came home home right away. And um, within three days of nursing, Kathy's uh, breast cracked and started to bleed. But she still had to nurse. Now, now, without grossing out, it wasn't like blood was going into the baby's mouth. It was just that she said, Mark, I feel like I'm on fire. And she would sit in the chair crying as she nursed the baby with two of the little children. You, you don't have any options when you have children. But when you're single, you have options. When you're single, when you're single you, can, you can choose a lot of things about your life. You can choose just to have fun all the time. You can choose to go to movies all the time. You can just choose to do all the kinds of things that inadvertently just please you. Or you can choose the life of Jesus Christ. The life of Paul, both single. And you can choose to live your life to serve others. You can choose to live your life to pray for others, to bless others, to find a way. Who can I serve? Who can I minister to? Who can I bless? Where can I go reach out? What can I do meaningful with my life for someone else? Because that's where life is at. I'm telling you right now, this is the greatest secret to conquering your inner world. You live your life for others. Because it's about others. Christianity is about others. Jesus was about others. God is about others. There's not a day that goes by, this is the truth that my focus is not how can I serve others? How can I serve others? How can I serve my family? How can I serve those who live with me? How can I serve my wife? How can I serve the young men and women in this church? How can I serve the people in this movement? How can I serve the church in Berlin? How can I serve the churches in Latin America? What can I do? And very rarely do I turn away an opportunity unless it conflicts with a commitment I've already made to serve someone else. 
That's where the joy is. That's where the power is. We use our liberty to serve others and to bless them and to pray for them and to help them. And it's absolutely, radically life-changing. And this is what Paul is trying to relate here. He says, For the longings of the flesh are contrary to the longings that the Spirit of God gives to you. And these are in opposition to each other so that you do not do what you want to do. But if you are guided by the Spirit, then you're not under the law. For the deeds of the flesh are evident, such as immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, magic arts, animosity, strife, jealousy, anger, outburst of selfishness, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and everything of the kind, of which I warn you as I did before, those who practice these things will never inherit the kingdom of God. But the Spirit's fruit is love, joy, peace, forbearing with others, kindness, generosity, integrity, fidelity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There it is, self-control. That's a fruit that God gives in our life, and it grows as we exercise it. It grows as we learn to walk filled with God's Spirit. And the way, one of the ways we're filled with God's Spirit is living our life for others, to serve others, to bless others. Not for what we can get. Not because, oh, they'll think we're... Not because we're a people pleaser, but because we're honoring God. And what happens is, those inner cravings that are crying out for me, me, mine, mine, they start to wither. They start to get weaker. They don't completely ever disappear until we get our brand new body. But they they begin to get weaker. And we begin to find a rich, extraordinary joy. You know, one of the things that kept me going during my daughter's illness, and many of you, not all of you were here, you don't know the story, I won't get into it, and, and, but many of you were here through the years of Jefferson, almost seven years of her illness, was that I refused to take myself out of the game. What I mean by that is, the strain was great, but I lived every day... You know, I used to travel a lot to do conferences and then Jessica got ill and I had to say no to those because my service was there. My wife, my daughter, my wife, my daughter, this church, this church, my wife, my daughter, my wife, my daughter, this church. And a few times, guys, guys that I work with closely, some are other pastors uh, with our five churches said, Mark, you, you okay? You doing okay? I said, well, I'm tired. I'm more tired than I've ever been. What are you okay? You want to take a sabbatical and take a break? I said, oh, no, no, don't do that. Can't do that. I got to stay in the game. Serving is where I get life. Serving is where life is. If I were to take myself out of the game, and if I had time on my hands, what would begin to happen is, all I'd start to thinking about is, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. My life is so bad. And the next thing you know, selfishness and these cravings and all I want is for me, all I want is for me. So I kept me preoccupied with others. And that's the power. That's the power. And in heaven, you'll be rewarded for all of it. We live our lives to serve others. So, the things in my outer world, all the things that I do, are so that I can stay fit, so that I stay in the Word of God. Someone asked me tonight, a couple people that have written me recently said, Mark, is there anything we could pray for you for? 
And it used to be, of course, yeah, I was always asking prayer for my daughter and for grace for us to, to endure through the trial. Now, this person asked me, I said, yes, please pray that I get wiser. Please pray that I have more wisdom to serve those better that God has given me responsibility for. I want more wisdom. I want to understand more of God's truth to help others more. This is where life is. And those <clears throat> who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They kill it. They kill it. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be directed by the Spirit. <clears throat> I just can't tell you, um, this is going to sound really weird, and, and I'm speaking to a young crowd, so you may not know much about this, but menopause is a very, very difficult thing for a woman to go through and her husband. And my wife is right in the middle of it. Hers was delayed quite a bit. I think God did that graciously while she cared for Jessica. Every day, Kathy cared for Jessica almost seven years, 17 hours a day, seven days a week. And it was very intense. And it was, um, I, I told her the other day in tears, Kathy, I said, Kathy, it was a thing of beauty to behold, to be honest. I'm still stunned by it. But then... Uh, Jesse got better, and we're just rejoicing at that. And then the next big trial, Kathy just gets slammed with menopause. And, um, and it's, uh, it's wild, to be honest. It's hard to, it's hard to grasp the changes that go on. But, but if you know my wife, um, my, my wife has not become what I would call, you know, well, I won't use that word, the monster. She hasn't become that. Um, Kathy was with a friend lately, recently, uh, and this friend's actually younger but going through menopause, and she said to Kathy, you know, Kathy, there's not a day that goes by. I don't feel like I'm just going to fall apart any minute. And Kathy instantly tears in her eyes, which that's not normal for my wife. She goes, I feel the same way. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is a secret, and this is the truth. I am so thankful to God that I get to go through menopause with my wife. That I, it has been the most extraordinary opportunity for me to serve her, to love her, to understand her, to be kind to her, to be tender to her, to be gentle to her, to lay my life down for her. It has been a thrill, and I am not lying. I feel for her, I'm praying every day that the Lord would expedite the process and, and that it would end soon for her, but not for my sake. And I even wrote her a, a very long letter close to our, we're coming up on our 34th wedding anniversary, but it was close to our 33rd, and just told her how excited I am that God could take me deeper in my love and my service and my kindness and the opportunity that I get to show her love, to show her love. Do you understand how fulfilling it is to lay your life down, to know my meaning today is to love this girl. Yep, the great purpose of Mark Darling's life is to get out of bed today and love that girl and take care of her and vacuum her house and dust the house and get her bedding to the special place to get it clean and get a new filter for her air purifier. It's my joy. And as we do that, we're like Christ. And when we're like Christ like that, we're filled with God. And it enriches our soul. 
When I was a young man, I'm so glad Kathy's not married to that young man. Because that young man, if it was now, but he was still what he was, I just wanted to take. I just want for me. Me, 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 me. And, it, and it, in those early years, it was just sapping the life out of our marriage. It was sapping the life. Because I just, I was thinking about my needs. My needs. My needs. Oh, there were certain ways I served Kathy. But in a couple particulars, me. It's me. It's me. And to be very blunt, it related to our sexual relationship. And my passions almost destroyed our marriage. And I can't tell you in those early years how many times Kathy shared this verse with me in Proverbs that I shared with you tonight. Mark, listen to this verse, Mark. Better is he who is slow to anger than the mighty hero. Better is he who has self-control than he who rules an army. Mark, you need self-control. And I didn't want to hear it. And I'd kind of plug my ears like a spoiled kid. And I'd come back with all this crap. And I have repented of it many times to my wife in tears. She is a different man today. She is a different man today. You can conquer. You can conquer. Listen, if I can get there, I have some of the strongest passions you can imagine. Any of you that know me, you know I'm an extremely emotional individual. I'm a very driven individual. I'm a very zealous individual. And I have had to learn to channel those things, to focus those things. So they do not get the best of me, but rather I get the best of them. And learn as time goes by to lay my life. And I just, it's just so fulfilling to serve others. The last thing I want to share with you is this. <clears throat> I'm not going to get into a lot because I've shared it with you before. And you can get some of the messages I've done on it. But if you're going to manage your inner world, you must learn to dump on God in prayer. <clears throat> I was with some couples this last week. I've been helping. And uh, again, it's my privilege to help them. But a couple of them in our conversation, I was just sharing with them how important it is to pray. And uh, I had, uh, this was a follow-up visit. I had had phone calls with them a couple weeks earlier. And I'd given them some things to do. And they'd been doing, they were starting to notice the difference. And I just, as I was with these couples, I was just tears rolling down my face. I said, listen, you, you, you guys think sometimes that I just exaggerate. I don't exaggerate. Prayer is my life. If Mark Darling did not get up every day and pray and talk to God, and let God, and just roll out whatever bad stuff's in there. I mean, there's this, you know, I have, I have frustrations, I have angst, I have things that bother me, big things, small things. I don't ignore them. I bring them to God. I dump them on God. I walk them through with God. And if I did not... My inner world would rule my life and destroy my marriage. That is not an exaggeration. <clears throat> and if you think you're different, you're deceived. 
If you think you don't need God to the same degree, you may not have my temperament, my personality, but you've got things going on inside of you. You have desires. You have things that you don't understand. You have things that frustrate you, and you need to learn to get with God and talk about them. Talk about them. And I've demonstrated this so many times. I mean, I'm, I'm out of time tonight. I, but there's, there's two messages you can get online. It's Strong Disciple. Dumping on God and the understanding God of Elijah. And both those messages and why I need prayer to live. Dumping on God, why I need prayer to live, and the understanding God of Elijah. And it will walk you through all of this. This is how I keep my sanity. This is why I don't go over the edge. This is how I keep my spiritual vigor. This is how I keep my sanity in this insane world that you and I live in. This is how I keep my spiritual bearings. This is how I manage my inner world. This is how I manage my life. It's this wellspring of power prayer. And every single day for me, minimum every single day, it's an hour. It's an hour. And part of that prayer time is working over my heart. Part of that prayer time is just acknowledging to God, you know, Lord, I'm telling you this morning, a couple mornings ago, I got up and I went down uh, to to, uh, turn the coffee pot on and then I went downstairs and I uh, just quick looked at my email and I saw an email it was intriguing so I clicked on it and it was really uh, oh doggone it was frustrating email and I don't know why I don't know why maybe because it was 3.10 in the morning I don't know why that's when I get up 3 and so but but it, it touched on a nerve and it, and it opened up all this stuff so I, I got into the shower and I was having a lot of trouble concentrating and <clears throat> I got out of the shower and I got my stuff on and I Went and got my cup of coffee and, and got my water. And then I got on my elliptical trainer. And I just began to talk. And next thing I knew, I was just crying. I was telling God, you know what, Lord, I'm so tired of this. You know what, I'm so sick of this. I am so sick of this, Lord. Lord, and then it led to something else. And then, oh, then it meandered over here. And then we went over this way. And uh, about 30 minutes later, I had a grip. 30 minutes with my therapist. And I had a grip, and I had my perspective back, and I fought for it because I knew, I know me, and I think I know you pretty well because you're a human being. I knew if I don't get a grip on this, this thing is going to bleed into every hour of the rest of my entire day. And it's going to bleed into when Kathy gets up, and it's going to bleed over here, and it's going to bleed into that, and I don't want that. I don't want that. That's not the life I want today. I want a different life. I want a better life. So God, let's deal with this. Cast your burden on the Lord and he'll sustain you. He'll never sustain you if you don't cast it. Psalm 62.8. Trust him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart to him. God is a refuge to us. He will never be a refuge to us if you don't dump on God. So you see, these are the ways you manage your inner world. These are the ways you develop in these areas of controlling self, of managing your emotions. You learn to do things for others. <clears throat> Sometime, um, yeah, I don't have time to share that. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer, okay? <clears throat> Father, we just thank you tonight that you are available, you are abundantly available to help every single person in this room. 
You can help us with our jealousies. You can help us with our envy. You can help us with our lust. You can help us with our greed. You can help us with our selfishness, our self-centeredness, our loneliness, whatever it might be, Lord. Our passions and desires to be noticed, to be paid attention to. All of it, Lord. All of it will destroy our life unless we turn it over to you. We turn it over to you and we walk away and we learn to say no. No. Just like we say to a little child, we learn to parent ourselves. No, Mark, you can't do that. No, hey, Mark, that's a bad attitude. Get rid of your bad attitude, Mark. It's wrong. Stop it. Stop it. I'm telling you, Lord, I'm so grateful today that by your grace over this journey, you've taught me the habit of conquering self. You've taught me the habit of conquering that inner man who wants to destroy me with his pathetic, selfish desires. And you've taught me the joy of pleasing others, of serving others, of thinking in terms of their needs and their interest, as the scripture tells us in Philippians 2. Help us, Lord, to get ourselves out of bed. I was so proud of this young man wrote me this letter. I was so proud it made me cry. Reading the letter just made me cry. Oh, God, to conquer our body, to get us out of bed, to seek the living God. So much is waiting for us. So many wonderful things could happen in our life if we would just lead ourselves well. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.